The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey, and welcome to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. I've spent the better part of my career developing leaders and trying to work on being a better leader myself. And I've seen lots of theories come and go. But here are some facts about leadership. It is the most written about topic in management and business literature. The issue, according to Pete PricewaterhouseCoopers, of leadership is the most significant issue that CEOs worry about over the year. Are they going to have the right kind of leaders to help them grow and help them advance? The third thing is, and this is based on research as well, that the lack of leadership is, in all accounts, often the most cause of organizational failure not having the right leadership or the right leadership capability. More money is spent on developing leaders than almost any other category in a company. But over hundreds of years, we still don't have the perfect recipe. We have great theories. Some have been proven and some haven't. And some of those theories, if practiced, have shown to work but often are not sustainable. People often revert back into old habits and old behaviors. So you have to scratch your head and wonder why. Well, some of the reasons are strictly organizational to begin with, because organizations often will look the other way when somebody's short-term performance is great, but they leave dead bodies behind. They also look the other way when task completion is rewarded more than good leadership and leadership is ignored in discussions and coaching. And we just plain fail to deal with bad apples. But we also see that there are some universal gaps in leadership behavior. Three things seem to happen. Leaders revert under times of stress often back to a command and control approach and style. We see this time and time again, 
And it happens all over the world, and it seems to be culturally neutral. People seem to do it no matter where they live in the world. Power-based leadership is seen as appropriate when people are under stress, but not appropriate when things are going well. Emotional intelligence is almost universally something that we try to train leaders to do, to be more empathetic to others that they are leading. And this seems to be, just like listening, one of those critical gaps. We often see tell versus ask. Leaders in times of stress seem to feel it's better to tell people what to do than to get people together and ask. So I think at this juncture, this is why I am so excited about neuroscience. Now with neuroscience, we are seeing data and information through the study of the brain that clearly supports some of these theories of leadership development and debunks others. And we're also seeing why sometimes people revert to command and control over other approaches. So let me talk about a couple. It's very clear that when we study the neurons of the brain and people are stimulated in a certain direction, that their brain lights up and it shows excitement, enthusiasm, positive approach. This seems to happen when people are talking about goals and are working on future-focused goals. This seems to be something that causes people to want to come to work every day, to want to achieve every day, regardless, frankly, of remuneration. The second thing we see is that positive repeated reinforcement does, in fact, groove new behavior. Now, this is a theory that we've known for a long time, but now we see that it is that reinforcement, positive reinforcement, that helps people get from point A to point B. The third theory that has been debunked, which is one that I'm personally excited about, is the notion of performance reviews and performance management. And I know there's a whole school of thought out there that says, well, how are you going to compensate somebody if we don't do performance reviews? Well, there are ways around that. But it turns out from studying the brain that the current way that most organizations structure their performance review process does exactly opposite in the brain and gets the exact opposite response than what one hopes for from a performance management system. In truth, it causes people to be defensive as opposed to being goal-focused and excited about and energized about what they have to do in the future. Through my entire career, I've worked on performance management systems, not only in the public sector, but in the private sector. 
And I'll tell you a story. I was recently working with one company, and everybody hated the performance management system, from the managers to the employees, and they still had performance problems within the organization and quality problems. So clearly, what they were using was not making any sense. I know another technology company that basically said, you know what, we're going to we're going to get rid of our performance management system. And we're going to be coaching people and use coaching as a methodology to help people establish future-focused personal goals and personal development plans for themselves. And then we're going to support them by giving them positive reinforcement on a regular basis to achieving those goals. Very interesting and different way of looking at the very same issue. So the whole movement of neuroscience is really, now we can see, it's been around, by the way, for over 200 years. And in many ways, you know, crude studies of the brain, uh, invasive studies of uh, non-human animals. But now with microtechnology, we can really see things that we have never seen before. We can see neurons light up when they're active. And now we can record activity of nearly every neuron. Meaning we can clearly stimulate the brain and see what positive neuron responses it has. That's why I am so excited about this discussion today. Let me go back to another point. You know, it turns out I talked to you about command and control and why people tend to move in that direction. They move in that direction because when people are under stress, they feel that they are losing a sense of control of their environment. They feel threatened. And the brain's response to threat is to shut down, go inward, and protect themselves or protect the individual to protect him or herself. So what's the anecdote of that? How do you keep people from feeling that sense of stress and threat? Well, part of it is the leadership behaviors I talked about before, but also part of it is helping people understand how they can be great in a certain circumstance. Help them think about themselves when they're at peak performance. Because it also turns out that most people, when they are at peak performance, are really goal-focused, really excited, and typically working in very challenging situations. So see the connection here? You know, keep people focused on the goals keep people focused on aspirations. They can be difficult goals. They can be stressful goals. But if there's excitement to it, there's a future to it, people work more positively together. Let's go back to that performance management point. So we start all performance management discussions with, let me tell you what you do well, of course, Nobody listens to that part because they know what's coming next is 
And here are the things I think you need to work on. Well, here's why managers hate this process. They hate it because they know that the employee on the other end is going to say, well, let me tell you why I couldn't do that or let me explain, and the employee gets defensive. And no manager likes to sit and have a discussion with a defensive employee. It makes them uncomfortable, and then they get defensive. And employees themselves say, you know, I hate the performance review discussion because I know I'm going to get feedback, and I know it's probably misguided, and I'm going to feel like, you know, I have to defend myself. Well, the brain reacts exactly that way. As I said before, if someone feels that they are being attacked, the brain shuts down and it moves into a protective mode and people become defensive. Now, we all thought that performance management systems would make people improve their performance. There isn't really any real evidence that says it does. So I keep wondering to myself... Why do we keep spending and investing so much money in doing that when we can create more peak performance and excited times for people that really help them improve and grow? So this is why I have Phil Dixon with me today. Phil is an expert in in neuroscience. He is the vice vice president of Brain-Based Solutions. Phil has spent his career working on leaders, was the head of leadership development for Apple for a while, and now has branched out, and he has some really exciting and interesting research around the brain and has a survey for the brain where a leader can get an insight into how their brain is reacting in certain circumstances. And then he has some brain exercises that can help you repeat and groove new behavior based upon an understanding of how your personal leadership brain works. After the break, we'll be coming back and having a discussion with Phil, again, Vice President of Brain-Based Solutions. Talk to you soon. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that have done right really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. 
The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is lynda at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey, and you are listening to The Leadership Connection, and I'm glad you've tuned in. With me today is Phil Dixon, an expert in leadership development and learning and development. Why I'm excited to have Phil with me today is he is the VP of Learning and Development of My Brain Solutions, and he has been a preeminent researcher and experienced leader in developing others with the brain in mind. And as it turns out, which is what makes this field so exciting, is that the more we know about the brain, the more focused we can get at around what works and how to really help leaders take that next best step. So with much ado, let me get right to Phil. Phil, Thank you so much for joining the show. I'm so glad you're able to make it today. I wanted to ask you a a couple of questions to begin with. What in your mind, what made you get into neuroscience in the first place? Well, it was about six years ago, I had the luck to um, take on a, a, do a master's degree at uh, Oxford Business School. And one of the visiting faculty was a a gentleman who would started work in putting the application of neuroscience into leadership. And as he explained what was Mm. going on in the brain, I sort of saw um, him explaining some of the things that we'd done in the past and and justifying them and verifying them. And I also saw him explaining some things that didn't work in the past. So from then, I just said, that's the focus I'm going to have. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So what were some of the things that he said worked in the past and didn't work in the past that really struck you? Well, some of the ways that um, you know, we've, we've started to use uh, leadership to help coach people um, in the way that we mm. uh, coach them, we ask them questions, engaging them to come up with their own solutions. And the neuroscience actually supports the fact if somebody comes up with their own solution about a, a problem, there's actually a small release of dopamine that occurs at that, at that time. They feel good about it, and they're actually more likely to implement it. Well, we've actually known that for a long while. The neuroscience just supports it. Yeah, isn't that great? And, but so many times we don't do that, though. You know, we want to tell people what it is that they have to do to get better isn't that isn't that true that's why we we sort of take them through all this training and try to give them all the skills and and they don't end up using it right that's exactly right in fact if i apologize we've got a um i'm here in san francisco and we've got a a siren going by so if you can hear it on the i apologize but i thought it was your brain on fire phil it could have been um (laughs) 
So what, um, what we've found is if you tell somebody, there's actually um, a response in the brain which you basically, we don't like, the brain doesn't like being told what to do. And so the, when you tell somebody what to do, there's actually a significant chance that they'll actually act in their own self-sabotage and won't take it aboard deliberately because they've been told rather than coming up with it themselves. Wow. Wow. So it really does, as, a, as, as I think about it and as you and I talked about it many times, that some of the theories about leadership that we all knew and how we develop leaders, in fact, is based on what we're finding and learning from the brain. If someone picks what they think they need to do to improve, they're invested in it and they'll work on it. So what are some of the things that don't work, Phil, that, that you experienced and you see? Well, you mentioned it earlier on in your introduction when you were talking about when we, um, basically the brain is a mechanism for recognizing patterns um, for solving problems around survival. It's, all, you know, it's a survival-driven mm-hmm. machine. And it, it categorizes everything it, uh, it experiences, and it experiences you know, data coming in at every, every one-fifth of a second. And it allocates whether it's being put into a threat or a reward state. And anything that puts the brain into a threat state will actually cause the, the brain's ability to think clearly to actually close down. So when you put something mm-hmm. into a threat state, you're not doing them any good. Interesting. And that's why the the whole performance management system, you and I both know, I mean, when you were working at Apple and and other places, how many years have we spent trying to put performance management systems in place? Nobody likes them. The managers hate them. The employees generally don't find the feedback useful or helpful. And it's because we're using a process that puts people into a threat state. It's it's, uh, kind of fascinating. And in fact, they, so tell me, Phil. Go ahead. I was going to say it's, it's sort of almost worse than that because wh- how the brain reacts is if you put the brain into a threat state, that threat state could be driven by many things, and one of the things it's driven by is is a sort of social attack. And if the brain mm. feels a social attack, it actually reacts exactly the same way as it have been physically attacked or physically threatened. So it's a very wow, biological reaction. Yeah. Uh, do you think in, in some ways, uh, from your knowledge and research, that this could also relate to why people uh, sometimes have violence in the workplace, in the extreme? I'm sure in the extreme that violence in the workplace is as a result of feeling ultimately threatened. Um, I've not spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in, in that domain, but I could easily surmise that if somebody feels that level of threat, uh, and the threat can come mm-hmm. from feeling like they were unfairly treated or that they had no control or that their self-esteem was threatened or um, yep. major uncertainty in their life, all those types of things. Um, I could actually see an extreme reaction being violence in the workplace. Yeah, yeah. So as I think about this approach that you're applying, you have a model. I, th- I think you call it... what. Share with the listeners the model that you and Evian use relative to thinking about leadership and neuroscience. Well, we, uh, 
it, it stems off that said, uh, that I said earlier on is that the brain responds to threat and reward, and that, so that's the first thing is, um, is we call it the one two four model. And the, and the one mm-hmm. stands for there's one organizing principle of the brain, and that is to survive. So it's mm-hmm. attuned, highly attuned to, to threat and reward. In fact, it turns out we have five times as many neural circuits in the brain to pick up threats as we do reward. So we're tuned to sort of prepare ourselves, brace ourselves for things that will threaten us. That's, that's the one. The two part is that uh, the brain has two modes of processing, a conscious mode and a non-conscious mode. Um, and, we, and when I make that statement, it sounds like they're 50-50. In fact, they're not. There is a ratio of about, mm-hmm. a, million, about a million to one is a good re- way to look at it. So that the non-conscious processing is much, much more impactful than, the, uh, than what we're consciously aware of. And then we talk with the four, we do it, call it the one, two, four model. The four part is the fact there's four actual processes that occur in the brain. There's a response to all of this information that's coming in. It's a non-conscious response. And then we have some conscious responses, which are our thinking response, our feeling or physiological response, and then how do we actually react or self-regulate. And so those, that's, we call it the one, two, four model. And what we find is that it helps leaders and managers you know, a little more detail than I'm going into now, but it helps managers and mm-hmm. leaders to actually understand what's going on in their brains and in the brains of other people. In fact, we give, we give everybody an excuse at that point. We basically say, look, the way people are reacting, it's not you, it's your brain. And, and, and do you think people use that as a crutch or are they able to kind of make the connection that they may need to do something differently? Well, they, they very well. It's, I'm sure that some people use it as a crutch, but in, in general, most people say get intrigued because you know, once we can explain what's going on in the brain at a, at, a, at a biological, chemical, electrical level, then you can actually turn around and say, this is science. This is evidence-based work. Mm-hmm. It, isn't, it isn't soft and fluffy. We can actually demonstrate what's going on in people's brains now with, with new techniques of measuring. So most people get very, very intrigued by saying, hey, you know, tell me more. What can I do about it? Um, right, right. Because now they see, and, and, I, and I get your point, it's not attacking them personally. It's just, you know, how the brain works and helping them understand that and, and realizing that they can, in fact, do something differently. But it's not necessarily um, personal. Right. I guess is a, is a way to say it. Yeah, and so the, the so way you, we look at it... Sorry, please go on. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the way we look at it is if you go into a cardiologist, they'll give you a, your um, brain, a, sorry, your heart a test. And you never turn around and say, well, that's not how my heart reacted because it's, it's scientifically proven. Well, now we can actually measure your brain and we can actually give you a, a map of what's going on in the capacities of your brain and again, people actually don't, can't at that point say, oh, no, no that's, that didn't actually happen because we actually are testing it. Yeah, that's so exciting. Well, we're going to be coming up uh, right now on another break, Phil. But stay tuned because when we come back, we're going to be lo- looking at you know, what you've learned, how you train leaders, your assessment, which I think is so exciting. Um, so stay tuned, everyone. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is Linda at Lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey and welcome back. With me is Phil Dixon, an expert in neuroscience and leadership, and he is vice president of the My Brain Solutions, a preeminent organization designed to really help leaders understand how their brain works and what they can do to continue to make themselves the best they can be. So thanks again, Phil, for being with us. So now I wanted to ask you about how have you applied this neuroscience and your one, two, four methodology uh, to developing leaders, and what what has the impact been? Well, sort of in a couple of ways. One is we've actually produced an assessment where, and we think it's the first direct 
uh, directly measured objective assessment of uh, the capacity of a leader's brain. And it actually measures 17 different capacities. Um, and I can go through those mm-hmm. in a moment. Um, so we've applied Good. it in, in that direction. We've also applied it in the direction of typical things that we've been doing leadership development about for the last 25, 30, 40 years. Things like creativity, innovation, team building, listening, communication, conflict resolution, all those type of things which are much more sort of competency-based that that, um, leaders have been taught for the last, gosh, who knows how long. And so we've applied it in both of those directions, um, and I'll talk about both of them separately. In terms of the latter one, which is probably quicker and easier to talk about, is we actually explain to people how their brain works and then say, now this is how your brain is working when you're trying to communicate with somebody else. And by the way, this is how their brain is working. Or when you're trying to come up with some new creative ideas, uh, how can you keep people so that they are in that creative mode more frequently? So that's one whole area that we've looked at. So the second area I'll come back to, which is uh, the assessment. And what we've What we've done is we've taken a a validated assessment that's been used for about seven or eight years, and we've actually changed it now to look at um, what's the impact to leaders on different capacities of their brain. Wow, that's, that's fascinating. So what has been the impact, actually, Phil? I mean, have you been able to track this with others and have they been able to do things differently as a result? Absolutely. Um, So I'm just going to give you a couple of examples of the types of things we measure and that is um, your your ability to uh, maintain attention, uh, your your working memory, i.e. can you keep many facts in your brain at the same time, your recall memory, i.e. can you remember what the meeting was about yesterday and all the information that uh, was put on the table yesterday, your processing speed, i.e. how quickly do you actually um, process this information, Um, your flexibility, i.e. how quickly can you get out of one particular way of looking at a problem and get into another way of looking at a problem, Um, your inhibition, i.e. how well you are at controlling what you might otherwise say that might be inappropriate, um, and you're at what we call executive function, your ability to plan and uh, make decisions and evaluate and things like that. So those are some of the more um, cognitive capacities we measure. In terms of mm-hmm. um, you, how else you respond, we, we measure how well people are at identifying emotions and how well um, they are at controlling their own emotions. And you mentioned emotional intelligence earlier on. And um, so these are the two of the primary components of emotional intelligence, i.e., can you pick up on other people's emotions and can you control your own? Well, we actually can now measure that. Wow. And what, what, what have you seen? What, what have you discovered? Well, we have one um, gentleman who will remain nameless, and yes. when he took the assessment, it actually turned out on a scale of 1 to 10 – on in terms of identifying emotions in other people, he scored three out of 10. Um, so we focused him on some brain training specifically around identifying emotions. And he did that for, I think it was 10 minutes a day, three days a week for about uh, two months, six weeks or two months. And we went back and we, he was tested again. 
And instead of scoring 3 out of 10 now, he has scored, I think it was 6.5 out of 10. And so we actually asked wow, him. that's well, excellent. So, huge increase. Um, and, and not a tremendous yeah. amount of time spent on, on doing the training. And so we, it's right. actually my, my colleague actually said to him, so what's been the impact of this at your work? And he said, well, when I'm in meetings now, I will notice what's going on with other people. And instead of just continuing going, I will actually stop and say, hey, Susan, what's going on now? Uh, You're you're looking worried or whatever it might be. He said, I I didn't have that ability before. Um, And in the interview with him afterwards, after a fairly long interview, he said, oh, by the way, my wife appreciates it as well. I'm, I'm sure she does. I'm sure his children appreciate it too. Should he, should he have any? Um, that that's a very very interesting factor because being able to train your brain to be more empathetic with others and to see the cues is so important when you're in a global environment where you may not be able to, you know, without those kind of cues you may not be able to get people on board with you and following where it is you need to lead if you can't tap into their emotional side it's a it's a fascinating piece the other thing i i love about what you said is 10 minutes a day three days a week and this does not cost a lot of money no you know it's just something that you have to put in your iPhone or your diary and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this exercise and see the impact. What's your plan, Phil? Are you going to track this uh, a little bit more longitudinally to see um, what the results are and the impact? Well, we are tracking it. Uh, Every time someone actually takes this assessment and then does some brain training games and then takes the assessment again to see what the improvement is, we're actually tracking that all the time. And so mm. we're, using, uh, we're using those data. In fact, we have the world's largest database of brain-based data. We're using that database to help us understand you know, which training is most effective, um, what level of increase the, um, of performance that people have, and things like that. And you, know, we've actually, you mentioned about uh, telling people and how people resist being told. We've been yeah. telling people for many, many years around emotional intelligence, well, you need to get more empathetic. Empathetic, right. Right. And yet, if people's brains don't actually have that capacity yet, then telling them is just going to be a waste of breath, essentially. Until you actually around and say, by the way, this is how you can improve it, then mm-hmm. until that point in time, you're actually doing but nobody any favors. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting because that is exactly what we do. We tell people, oh, here's your 360. You don't show empathy. You need to show um, more concern for others. And then we give them some theory around what they have to do and then expect them to change. And the truth of the matter is that that just simply is not going to happen. It's not. Um, and, and we're putting them into threat mode. Uh, based upon the research that that you have, so I, you know what I, I do love. It makes me think about Marshall Goldsmith a little bit, who uh, really does this exercise around uh, what's the impact for you as a leader if you became, if you exercised that ability to be, or you tapped into that part of your brain and trained it to be more empathetic, because that creates that want on somebody's side to want to make the change and if they want to make the change 
then ultimately they will rather than telling them that they have to change. It plays right into exactly what you were saying about neuroscience and, and threat mode. And, so fascinating. And it is fascinating for me because one of the things we can also study is, uh, and we call it neuroplasticity, and that is the ability of the brain to change. And it actually turns out mm. that the brain is able to change very, very quickly. Uh, we tend to just get in the way and not wanting to change. Yeah, that's and because it goes back to what you were saying about the whole threat dynamic, giving people feedback, telling them what they have to do, telling them what they have to do differently, puts them in a threat mode and puts them in a defensive mode, and then therefore they can't make that adjustment. I love the point that you just made is that actually the brain can change relatively quickly. Say a little bit more about that, Phil. That's, that's a fascinating point. Well, we used to think um, many, many years ago, we used to think that once you got your brain, um, and I, I can remember growing up and saying, well, once you were 16 years old, they, that's all the number of brain cells you had, and that was, they were gradually going to die away over your life, and you know, that was it. What we now know um, more and more is that we can actually um, train our brains not only to, to change, but we can actually grow neurons. It's called neurogenesis. So you're not stuck with the brain you've got. You can actually change it. Wow, that's, that's, that's fascinating. And how quickly can you do that from what you've seen? We, we've seen uh, significant changes can happen in, uh, in a month. I, I mentioned earlier on this gentleman had oh. studied for uh, 10 minutes a day, three days a week for four weeks. Um, I think he actually went to six weeks, but um, in, in a four to six week period, you can actually measure a significant change. Now, you only want to try and change probably one of these capacities at a time, but you can actually have a significant impact if you decide to, to do it. It's like going to the gym. You know, if you work on your yeah, abs. I was just going to say that. Exactly. Right, right. But then you got to keep it up. Now, t- that, that raises another interesting question. If somebody stops doing those exercises, when, did the, you know, do, do they revert back like the body does? Or can they keep it grooved, so to speak? Well, it's like, again, if, if, let's use the analogy with the gym. If you, if you stop going to the gym, your abs are going to start to, um, you know, get flabby. Um, but it, in the brain's case, those neural pathways that you've laid down don't ever go away. They stay there. They may have, and you, we have a phrase we call use it or lose it. But if you continue yeah. using it to an extent, you, you'll, you'll keep it up. Wow, that's, that's, that's really interesting. Well, it's such a new kind of field. So give me your, your final pieces of um, insight here. I, I, if you would mind telling that story about the orange exercise that you do that people believe they can't do things because they're told all their life they can't do it or they they don't think they have the capacity and that you you really can show them that if they think differently or they exercise their brain differently that they really can do things that they didn't think they could it is a fascinating exercise i'll try and do it fairly quickly um, and that's basically uh, we find someone, in a, when we have a large audience, we find someone who can't catch. Um, and we bring them up front, which in, in and of itself puts them in a threat state. 
And then what we do is we basically work on the difference between the conscious brain and the non-conscious brain. And the, and the premise is that people have seen catching a ball. And in fact, their non-conscious brain knows how to do it. But their conscious brain is, is threatened or worried or afraid of making a mistake or embarrassed or whatever it might be. So, so if we can occupy that conscious brain, then the non-conscious brain will actually go ahead and do the right thing. And how we do that is to have people focus on, a, uh, you know, on, the, on the piece of stalk at the end of an orange. And we just say to them, when we throw the orange at them, um, is it spinning or not spinning? And so we fully occupy their conscious brain. And what's amazing is you see every time is that they will actually start to catch the ball very, very fluently or catch the orange very, very fluently as though they've been doing it all their lives. All their lives. Fascinating exercise. Well, Phil, thank you so much. Uh, this is, I think this is going to be revolutionary in the area of leadership development. I think your survey from the research that I've done is the one-of-the-kind survey. And I know, uh, unfortunately, we don't have a, a lot of time to talk about your, your coaching methodology, but I just think this is so valuable for people that want to continue their leadership journey journey so thank you phil thank you for being with us today and uh, we will connect again i look forward to it and thank you and i hope everybody on the air enjoyed it thank you when it comes to business you'll find the experts here Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that have done right really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Do you know your personal brand? You may have the idea, but do you really know how to execute it and perfect it? Join Kathy Bass, the branding lady, for an inside look at the world of branding on her show, Power Up Branding. Kathy and her guests will discuss the many facets of branding, including tips to help you rebrand or bring your brand to the next level. Power Up Branding can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get a plan. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is Linda at LindaSharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey and welcome back. We just heard a fascinating discussion with Phil Dixon, Vice President of Learning and Development for My Brain Solutions. Really, the whole notion of how we've been developing leaders and how we've been giving people feedback in the workplace is just so counter to how people react and how people really change. I have another story that I'll I'll share with you that was a real eye-opener for me, Uh, and I think you'll see how this relates to um, neuroscience and how people's brains work. We did an experiment. We had uh, about 100 people in a room, and one side of the room, we gave a problem, and we told everybody in that side of the room What was wrong with how the person solved the problem? And they were supposed to come up with the correct solution. So we pointed out all the flaws in how the past group had gone about solving that problem. Then the other half of the room, we gave the same problem. But instead of pointing out the flaws, we pointed out all the things that the previous group had done correctly. And then we asked, so now solve the problem. The interesting thing that happened is that the group that had the positive approaches solved the problem much more quickly. Not only did they solve it much more quickly, they got it correct. The group that was had all the flaws pointed out had just the opposite situation. Less than half the group could solve the problem and in fact got bogged down with all the errors and couldn't move forward. So as we look at the brain and we study the brain, People get more excited, and we can see that by watching the brain and the neurons when people are proposed challenges that are more constructive and on the positive side. They tend to be able to unleash their creativity so much more quickly. But as I look at work, I say to myself, our normal mode of operation is to point out (coughs) flaws. And what we're really doing is we're putting people in that defense mode, as Bill was talking about. And we can see the defense mode when we look at the brain when we're watching people problem solve. And we see that the area in the frontal cortex gets much more 
diminished and much less excited. So I think that there's more to be learned in this whole area. But some thoughts for you as you're moving forward. You know, there was something very important said today. Can people change? Sure, they can change. And obviously, the brain can approach things differently from the research that Phil was discussing. But will they change? That's another question. But an underlying factor of personal change is if you personally choose to change, not because somebody told you you needed to change, but because you personally chose that if you did something differently or you developed an additional skill or approach, that it would have a much greater positive impact on you, your life, and the people that you interact with. The likelihood of your actually making that change increases exponentially. And now we know that it's a fact rooted in our neurons. So here's a little test for yourself. Think about yourself and what one thing that if you did differently would just make you that much of a better leader. And then test it with two or three trusted colleagues or associates. And all you have to do, like Phil said, is spend five or ten minutes asking, if I became a better listener, what would the impact be, do you think? And then ask people for their suggestions. And then pick one suggestion for one week and take that suggestion and practice it 10 minutes a day. Write it in your diary. Write it in your iPhone. And then just check and see how frequently did I exercise that new behavior and what was the impact and how did I feel. It's a simple exercise for the week. It's not hard to do. And you will be developing yourself. And actually, no one else can help you develop but yourself. So here's a thought that I would like to leave you with before I talk about our next show next week. It's something I saw and heard from someone else, and it resonated with me. And I thought about it in terms of this whole notion of can people change? Will people change? Will people be excited to be creative? Will people do things differently that really make a difference? And I thought that these comments were significant, particularly in light of what we're learning around neuroscience. So when you tell somebody to follow the process, they follow the process, but they minimize their passion. The less passion that people have about the work that they do, the less performance they have. And the less performance that they have, the less successful your company is. And as I think about that, 
I say to myself, how frequently do we really encourage people to work towards their aspirations, their passion, what they think they can do to make the organization a better organization? I think that that's a good, important point to reflect upon this week. Next week, I have with us Tony Cusimano. I'm so excited to have Tony. She is a partner at Price Waterhouse Coopers, and she has done a great amount of work in employee empowerment and leadership development. So stay tuned for next week and join me same time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 